I know some of y'all wanted to clap. That's okay. <laughs> Nobody wants to be the first one. But we are so glad to welcome you here today. It's my honor to welcome you here to East Taylorsville. And today, if you are visiting with us, uh, we always say this every Sunday, but maybe just to explain it a little bit more. If you are visiting with us today, first of all, we'd love to have a record of your visit. There's a couple ways that we like to get information. And uh, just to promise you, we will not show up at your door, but we would know how, like to know how to serve you better. Uh, you can fill out the care card that's in your bulletin. It's a tear out there. You can fill that out, just some basic information. Put that in, your off, in the offering plate back there at the table. Or you can leave it in your chair. Um, we can collect it that way. But also, we encourage you to stop by our guest table. Out there, we have some welcome cards. You can fill out one there and leave it there at the table. And we also encourage you to pick up a guest bag. In that guest bag, we have information about our church, just a basic little booklet about our ministries, schedules, things like that. But also in that, um, if you're considering maybe the Lord wants you to be here at East Tailsville Baptist Church, no matter where you go, one of the most important things is what does that church believe? And we include in that just a little booklet on the Baptist faith and message because it shares just basically what we believe and what Scripture says uh, concerning us as a church and about who our God is. So I want to encourage you to stop by there. And there's also a candy bar in there if that helps you. Uh, but we would love for you to get more information about our church. We'd love to get you connected here. But right now, we're going to ask everyone to stand. And as you stand, if you haven't had a chance to meet your neighbor, maybe introduce yourself if they're new, and uh, welcome one another to the service.
Well, amen. It's good to see you this morning. I was thinking of a verse I want to share with you this morning. It's in Titus 3, verses 5 and 6. The scripture says this, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he has saved us. This morning we're here because of his mercy and because of his grace. It goes on and says, He has saved us through the washing and the regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Verse 6 says this, Whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Aren't you glad that Jesus poured himself out on us that we might know him? I have some special requests this morning. Some people that are heavy on my heart that I'm praying for. I want you to come and join me this morning and pray for the needs that you may have. I want to invite you to come. Would you come to this altar and join me in prayer? You come. Father, we come before you. We're reminded in your word to be still, to be quiet before you, and to know that you're God and we're not alone. Father, this morning I pray for the needs on this altar. Lord, people going through difficult times, some have lost loved ones and family. I pray that you'd be the God of all comfort in their life and, Lord, that you'd walk with them through the days to come. And not only that, but Father, there's spiritual warfare that's going on. I pray for that. Lord, I pray against the enemy. I pray that you would help us to be more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded that nothing can separate us from your love. And Father, this morning, I want to pray for those that are on my heart. I want to pray for help. Lord, David said that the Lord is my help. God, would you help those that are hurting? Help those who are healing. Lord, help those who are planning to go and preach the gospel around the world. Be with their families as they're home and left behind. Father, be with the people of Ukraine that are hurting. So many millions of people are displaced. And God, you're the only hope in these last days. You're the only hope in any day. And Father, we pray for them. We pray that, God, that you'd be with them and manifest yourself. Make yourself known to them. And Father, we want to thank you this morning that we have you to come to. And God, that you hear us and you answer prayer. And we do not stand alone, nor are we alone. Thank you for pouring out your spirit on us. Thank you for pouring Jesus out on us this morning. Would you do that? May you be honored. May you be glorified in the rest of this service. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. Thank you so much, choir. Don't you love that song? What a blessing. So much truth in that song. Thank you so much, choir. Thank you, Lori. As the choir is going down, I need to mention two things uh, real quickly uh, to you. If you look in your bulletin, you'll see somewhere in your bulletin. I don't have a bulletin with me. But uh, on April the 3rd, we'll have a special called business meeting. And the purpose of that special called business meeting is to vote on a sound system, a new sound system, speaker system for this auditorium that we're in right now. Uh, and, the, and the reason that came about is your deacons are your representatives, okay? And many of you have went to them and said that certain places in the room that the sound is not real good. And what we'll do on that Sunday at the end of the service, uh, Kevin's going to do a presentation that the man who came and kind of uh, did the research on our building, he's going to show you why the sound is not as good in here right now and how the new system would be better. And then what you'll have a chance to do will be secret ballot because we want your honest opinion is you're going to vote yes or no on it, real simple, okay? And we're going to love you whether you vote yes or no, all right? And we're going to go on living. You know, my life's not going to change one bit. But we try to be as open as, and as honest and as transparent as we can be about that. But that'll happen on April the 3rd, okay? Next Sunday, we'll be worshiping in the sanctuary. We have a baptism service. We have, I think, right now, 10 uh, candidates for baptism. Um, if you're a candidate for baptism, please contact Mark this week, all right? And if you're uh, one of the candidates for baptism, please be in the baptistry area next Sunday around 10 a.m. because we have so many. And uh, if all 10 come, that'll be close to 24 people since January, the end of January, we baptized this year. Let's thank the Lord for that. What a blessing. All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I uh, started a series three weeks ago, if you'll stand with me, on questions and answers. And we talked about the rapture. We talked about... You know, the first lesson that we, that we or question that we uh, went over was, if a person dies a heroic death, natural disaster, uh, defending their country on the front line of battle, what if somebody runs into a house and saves the family, but they die? Do they go to heaven because of that? And the answer to that was no, right? The only way we go to heaven is to place our faith and trust in Jesus. Then last week, we looked at the rapture. We, we looked at how some people... Uh, whom I love dearly and listen to them preach, and they're good preachers, don't believe in one. And then I gave you the reason why I believe in a rapture based from the Bible. And then today, and I, I think I preached this, a message similar to this about four or five years ago, but it's, it gives me encouragement. All right, It really does give me encouragement. If you're a pastor, being a pastor and being in ministry since the early 90s, okay, I went into ministry and I was around 25, I think. I've been, seen so many people with health issues. All right, It's, it's a very important topic. Uh, you see people who are uh, the picture of health one day, and then within six months, uh, they, their, their lives have totally changed. Their bodies have changed because of health issues that sometimes they can't even help, right? Well, the church at Corinth had these questions to Paul. Hey, if we die, what if somebody dies and they're burned up? What if somebody dies and they drown at the bottom of the sea and we can't find their bodies? Good, legitimate. The Corinthians were smart people, very smart, okay? And they were asking good questions. What kind of body will we have when we come back to live on this earth? Isn't that a good question? Or, will if I have a physical handicap, will that be with me through eternity? That's a good question to ask. Am I going to be a spirit or a body? How will my body be equipped to live in the new heaven and the new earth? Okay, really good questions. Notice what he says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 35. But some will say, and they ask him the question, How are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Foolish one. What you sow is not made alive unless it dies. 
And what you sow, you do not sow that, bo that body that shall be, but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he pleases to each seed his own body. Now skip down to verse 42. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Notice the contrast. Okay? Notice all the contrast. It's sown this way. It goes in the grave this way, but it's raised this way. And he's, he's trying to encourage these people. This is fact. Paul's not speaking uh, what he hopes might happen. He's received this from the Lord, and he's speaking it as fact. This is the greatest chapter in the Bible on the resurrection. Okay? There is a natural body, there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last, Adam, became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural. And afterward, the spiritual. The first man was made of the earth, made of dust. And the second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of the dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of man of dust, image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery, we shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed." For this corruptible must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. What Paul is saying is this, these bodies of ours will not make it to heaven. They're not going. Heaven is holy, your body is sinful. Your soul is born again. Your, body is equipped for your soul is equipped for heaven now, John MacArthur says, but your body is not. Your body will not, that's a promise, inherit the kingdom of God. It cannot go there. That's why death is necessary unless Jesus comes back and then he's going to change us. How quick? In the twinkling of an eye. We looked at that last week. Fathers, we come to you in prayer. I pray that this message, Lord, would encourage our hearts. Father, it encourages me. Lord, I'm reminded, being in the position that I'm in, that just one hospital visit can change our lives forever. Lord, it's happened even this year for some of our church members. And Father, I pray that you would encourage them that what is sown in the ground will not be raised that way. And Lord, I pray for those who are dealing with sickness or will be dealing with sickness, Lord, that you would encourage them through this message. Father, we're so thankful that better days are coming for all of us. And Lord, for those of us that are healthy and have our eyesight, we can hear, we can taste, we can touch, all those things, Lord, we should be forever grateful each and every day for our health. Lord, what, what, what good is it to own all these things and have so much wealth if you don't have your health? So Lord, you just help us to be grateful for what we have. And Lord, we want to thank you for the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which makes all this possible. It's in Christ's name I pray and all of God's people said together, amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. Think about this and don't answer it. One man put it this way, those of us who love and trust in Jesus, one day we will die and we will rise. We'll get a glorified, eternal, supernatural body. Does that not sound good? How many of you, if given the opportunity right now, you could change your body right now to a glorified body 
probably most of us would say, I'll take that one. After I explain this to you, I would do it in a heartbeat. Okay? But think about this. Isn't it amazing how our bodies don't last and don't work like we want them to at times? Uh, you know, probably about, I don't know, seven or eight years ago, and I, I think I've shared this with you before, but I was riding with my family. I think we were going to Hickory, and we went to Wendy's, right? I got a, I think I got a double, a large order of fries and a Diet Coke to make, because I'm on a diet, right? So, and I'm eating the fries, and I remember eating the fries going, man, what did they put in this thing, a bone? And I kept chewing and kept chewing, and I went, that was my tooth. <laughs> I said, how did that happen? And I looked up there, and part of my tooth was gone. So I went to the dentist, right? The guy looked like Shaggy on Scooby-Doo. And I said, give me a shot, Doc. And, he's, and, and what he done was he fixed my tooth, and he gave me this shot, and he says, do you have anywhere to go after this? Are you going to be talking to anybody? I said, I'm, I, before he gave me the shot, I said, I'm supposed to go to Lifeway. Remember when Lifeway Christian Bookstore was open? I have some things to pick up for the church, but i got to call him. He says, oh, you're not calling anybody. I said, yeah, well. You know, he gave me that shot, and the whole side of my face was numb. whole side of my face. Right there, right there. And I said, well, you know, when I left, I just paid with my card. I went out there, and I called Lifeway. I called Lifeway, and the lady says, hello. And I went, I, I sound like Charlie Brown's teacher. Slobber was coming down the side of my face. And she's like, is this a joke? Is this a joke? And I thought, well, I'll just drive over there. It'll be wore off by the time I get there. So I go over there, and I see my bag. I get my stuff put up there. And she says, what church are you with? Same thing happened. And she goes, are you all right, sir? And I, and I pointed to my mouth, and she said, you got numbed. And I said, yes. Or I didn't say yes. I went, ah, like that. Isn't it amazing how your body just changes all of a sudden? How many of you have went to bed fine, and you wake up with all kinds of injuries? Crick neck. Does your arm ever go to sleep? I remember one time I slept with my knee. Somehow it got up under me. I got up, took a step, and fell because my leg was asleep. You ever done that? Or you wake up and you look at your spouse saying, did you hit me last night? Because you just got pains that you never had. Now think about this for a moment. Those aren't going to last forever. Your teeth that you have now, for most of us, are not going to last forever. My family tree is bad for teeth, okay? So think about this. Your bodies are changing. Our bodies are going to change. Things are changing. Paul was talking to the church at Corinth, and they were asking him this que these questions. And they said, what kind of bodies will we have if there is a resurrection? Notice the first question that they asked. And with what bodies do they come? Listen to what John MacArthur said. God made the world good. God made us very good. Sin came into the world because of us and our first parents. Roman 8 says that now everything is under the curse. That includes our physical bodies. Nothing works the way it's supposed to. So sickness and pain and injury and the frailty of the human condition. And, in, in, and also death is inevitable to all of us. It's the result of sin and the curse. The question is, how are we going to get around that? And the answer is the resurrection of Jesus. And the Corinthians, being so wise as they were, history, history will show us that, looked at the human body with all its weaknesses, aches, and pains, and they said, you mean that we're going to heaven and we have to spend eternity in this? And Paul says, no, no. They said, what about those who have died? What about those who have drowned at sea? Now, Paul kind of cut to the chase. And notice what Paul says in verse 36. Foolish ones. Not a lot of grace from the preacher. Foolish ones, he says. Strong language. Consider that these people are, at that time were some of the smartest people on the, world, on the planet. But he says this, foolish ones, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be. What you sow is not going to be the body that shall be, but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain. He said, you know how you take a seed, put it in the ground, and then that's not what comes up, right? That's not what comes up. 
He says, your body that goes into the ground is like that seed. It goes in, it decays, and then something else comes up. It's called the law of death before life. Verse 37, Paul says this, And what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be, but mere grain. Perhaps wheat or some other grain, but God gives it a body as he pleases to each seed its own body. And what he's saying is your body is kind of like a seed. A seed will not grow unless it's planted in the ground and dies. When the seed is placed into the ground, the outward form of the seed must decay for the plant to begin to grow. When the plant begins to grow, what happens to the seed? It's gone. So it is with the resurrection. The old body must pass away before the new body can come. And John Piper said this, So it is with our body. We're sick. We're under the curse. We have infirmity. We're frail. Eventually we die. We're put in the ground and buried and dirt goes on us. And then one day with Jesus we will rise like Jesus. We'll get out of our graves a glorified new body, far more extravagant, wonderful, glorious, and good than we could ever ask for and hope for. And that's why he says in verse 38, the law of the Creator, God gives it the body that He wants. Your body is now a seed, but one day it's going to rise. Charles Stanley put it this way, Though you will one day be changed, you'll still be you. You'll not cease to exist, and another being be created in your place. You'll merely be changed. You have a body right now. It may work okay for the moment, but it is slowly falling apart. After so many years, it will finally quit working. It will decay, and it will die. Paul spoke to this in his second letter. Notice what he says. Therefore, notice in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away. Look at your neighbor and say, you're wasting away. You're wasting away. Yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. But isn't this thank grateful? Look, we're wasting away, all of us. But inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Solomon's mother, most scholars say in the Proverbs that Solomon's mother, is. there's some debate over this, is given him advice in Proverbs 31. And she's saying, Solomon, this is the type of woman you're to look for. And what I find ironic about Proverbs 31 is she never mentions looks. Listen to me, never. Oftentimes we pick a mate or a date based on how they look. It's just normal and natural, right? Everybody has different taste and whatever, okay? But she says this, charm is deceptive. Be careful about somebody that can charm you, right? We're all, people can be smooth talkers. I mean, some of y'all bought rainbow vacuum cleaners, right? I'm just kidding, okay? Look, charm is deceptive. Beauty, notice what he says. Beauty is fleeting. Now notice what Paul says. We're wasting away. Beauty is fleeting. It's just a normal part of life, okay? Charm is deceptive. Beauty is fleeting for all of us. None of us look like we did on our wedding day, do we? None of us. So don't pick a spouse based just on looks, she gives Solomon quality characteristics. Find a woman who is this way. And he says, if you do, her price is far above rubies. Notice, charm is deceptive, beauty is flitting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And basically what she is saying is this, this applies to all of us. We, our looks are going to change. Don't base your perception or your, or, or, or your mate based on looks. That's why the, Solomon goes on to say this. To, to men, he's, it's like he's giving advice to his son, and he says, a good wife is hard to find, number one. And then he says this, if you find a good wife, she's like the crown to her husband. She makes him feel like a king. doesn't say because of how she looks, because of who she is. 
And then he says quite the opposite. Or, bad wife, she's like cancer to the bones. Okay? So he says, oh, you're going to pick somebody based on their looks? Good luck with that one. Good luck, buddy. Because guess what? When it's year six, seven, eight, and nine, you're not going to be interested, so much interested in his or her looks to the point. It's going to be, who are they? Who is this person I'm married to? Who is this person? Because, because charm is deceptive and beauty for all of us is flitting because we're people living under the curse. And then, then what Paul does is gives us these contrasts about the body being sown. Notice what he says in verse 42. He gives some different specific answers to show what the resurrected body is like. He says the body is sown in the ground in corruption or perishable. It is raised in, corrupt, in incorruption or imperishable. So perishable and imperishable. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable, meaning the body we have now is frail. It gets sick. It gets injured. It dies. It'll be raised imperishable. It won't get sick. It won't get injured. It won't die. And won't that be a great day? When I used to run, okay, back in my crazier days, we'd have a group here. We'd meet at Tailsville Saving Bank at 4.45 in the morning. Uh, sleet or snow, rain, it didn't matter. We was running. We running three to five miles every morning, okay? We did it four times a week, like clockwork. And I would always get these injuries. I'd have a, anybody ever had a calf pull injury? That's awful. When I ran my only half marathon, I ran with two calf pull injuries, okay? Then I had something called plantar's fasciitis. Is that how you say it? Anybody ever had planters? I went to Dr. M. I said, Doc, what can you do for me? He said, nothing. Good luck. That's what he said. And guess what? Every day of your life when you have it, you feel like you have a bruise on your foot. Every day. I mean, I would wear church shoes and I'd be doing like this right here all the time. For three to six months and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. Why? Because your body is under the curse. Two years ago, when we started our outdoor service, the very first service, Tales of Times took a picture, okay, Right after that service, me and a good friend from high school went riding motorcycles. I wrecked and broke my leg. Because of that, my right foot is about that much bigger than my left. Weird, isn't it? And this ankle is about that much further than that ankle. Okay, because my body is perishable. And it's going to be sown in corruption. But it's going to be raised imperishable. It's amazing that Paul uses that word in other translations, imperishable. It's the same word Peter used to talk about heaven. He says that God has a place for us that is undefiled and it's imperishable. It's imperishable meaning that your body that God's going to give you is, is, will never get sick, will never get injured. John MacArthur put it this way, some of you struggle with chronic pain, chronic illness, chronic disease. Some of you have already lost those you love to these things. Some of you fear you'll be losing them soon. Some of you, your own death is very imminent. All of which is an indication that this body is perishable, it is weak, it is frail, it is falling apart. Sin and the curse and death are winning. And we, like Jesus, if we trust in him, will die, but we'll be risen like him in, in a supernatural body that doesn't get sick, that doesn't get injured, that does not die. Now think about this for a moment. I remember somebody calling me. I was, we were in this building, I just remember that. And they said, well, you go visit so-and-so. I didn't know them at all. The lady had gotten cancer. It was very aggressive. I didn't even know what she looked like. I said, sure. I kind of knew the husband. He was an older man, very nice person. And they just didn't have a pastor at the time. And I said, I'll go. And I remember walking into the home, and I see the family picture up on the wall. You can tell it's been taken probably within a couple years, right? Beautiful lady. Good, great-looking family. And I saw the man. I said, I'm Jamie Steele. I'm the pastor of these tales. She said, thank you so much for coming. She's in here in the bed in a hospital bed. And I went in there, and this lady looked like she weighed 60 pounds. 
I mean, for the first time in my ministry, I was just didn't know what to say. Because cancer was so aggressive. She was sweet as she could be. And she says, can you give me some hope? I have my faith in Jesus. And I read Revelation 21, verses 1 through 7. And then I read this passage. Your body, which is perishable. But when your body is placed in the ground, and she knew she was going to die, she died within three days. Okay, It's going to be raised imperishable. And I explained that to her. I said, you'll never get sick again. And she just started crying. I said, you'll never have to worry about this. You'll be strong. You'll never get tired. All those things. I said, that's not fantasy. This is the truth. To give us hope, Paul's telling the church at Corinth, even though some of you have terrible illnesses, terrible illnesses, there's going to be a day when your body's going to be raised imperishable. Notice what he says in verse 43. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. How many of you feel at times, and don't raise your hand, weak physically? You wake up and you say, I just don't have the strength I once did. I don't feel strong. I've had my four shots of espresso, or three if you're me, and it's still not doing a trick. I'm tired all the time. I don't have the energy level I once did. I feel weak. I feel like I'm falling apart. I'm unwinding, and I'm not as strong as I once was. Physically speaking, you feel weak. As you get older, you're going to. All right? What about this? Think about this. So many people now, especially in America, feel weak mentally. Have you ever woke up and for no reason just felt depressed? I remember Tommy Nelson, who preaches at Denton Bible Church, one of the great preachers in, in, in America. One of the great preachers in America. He said, one day I just woke up and it's like a cloud was over me. He was the picture of health. Loved his church, loved preaching, loved everything about, loved, still does. And he said, I was under a cloud that I don't understand. I woke up and he said, I had no energy. He said, he said, he said my life was flipped or turned 180 degrees and I felt like, he said, I felt like I couldn't go on. And he went to the doctor and he said, you're depressed. He said, there's no way I'm depressed. I'm not. He said, I'm ha I love my life. He says, oh, do you? And he said, he said something happened to him for a, a, thankfully it wasn't forever. And he said his doctor got him on the right medication for that time period. And he said he came out. Think about this, physically and mentally weak. Depression affects all classes, races, ages, groups, and genders of people. 17.6 million Americans will deal with some form of depression this year. One out of every five Americans can expect to deal with depression in their lifetime. Untreated depression is the number one cause of suicide. Listen to me. Untreated depression is the number one si uh, reason for, or cause for suicide. I'm going to say that again. For those of you that have preachers that will say, oh, just pray about it. Well, if you break your arm, just pray about that. Why don't you just pray about breaking your arm? Or if you break it, when I broke my leg, I went and got an x-ray. I didn't pray about it. Okay? Just pray about that. Your, your body, mental health is a, is a very real thing. Can people abuse it? Yeah, they can abuse anything. You can abuse anything. Okay? But the number one cause of suicide is untreated depression. Depression is not something to mess with. If you're dealing with depression, get help. Jesus talked about this a lot. He talked about worry and anxiety. That word anxious means to be divided, distracted, to make one sick. Anxiety, you're, you're divided, you're distracted, your stomach is a mess. I remember my first oral report in high school. I mean, I couldn't eat, couldn't sleep the night before. Imagine feeling that way all the time. Some people are that way all the time. They're anxious. The Bible says an anxious heart weighs a man down. Solomon says, I've seen it in his time. They had no hope for him then. He just drank wine so he couldn't think about anything else. It's the only hope they had back then. An anxious heart weighs a man down. Studies will show because of anxiety, and some of it people can't help, are cause headaches, lethargy, mood swings, mental problems, ulcers, high blood pressure, nervous breakdowns, heart attacks, 
and sometimes even death itself. Just pray about it. Sometimes you can pray through it. You sure can. Sometimes it's our fault, right? A lot of David's problem with this was his sin. But sometimes you just can't help it. Anxiety weighs a man down. Jesus used the word worry. It means to be tossed like a ship in the sea. The old German word for it means to choke or to strangle. It's talking about mental strangulation through fear, anxiety, stress, and worry. Why do we have that? Why do we have that? Because your body is weak. This body is sown in weakness. I have preached more funerals than I can count on this hand of people who have committed suicide since I've been in ministry. Good people. They're not bad people. It's not like they robbed a bank and just hadn't got caught. They lived with that mental issue every day of their life, and I could tell it. Sown in weakness. And, and I remember preaching a funeral here for somebody who committed suicide, and they loved Jesus. I, I shared Jesus with them, and they prayed uh, at Baptist Hospital a year or two before this incident ever happened. And I remember preaching this person's funeral. And I preached where nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Amen? And I said, life nor death can do it. And I said, does the way you die change God's love for you, or does it make you lose your salvation? Absolutely not. And I had a, a chaplain of one of the larger institutions in North Carolina call me and said, will you please send me your sermon that you preached at that girl's funeral because this reached Raleigh. And I said, yes, I will. Okay? Your body is sown, and physically you're, we get weaker, don't we? We can change our eating diet and do all those things, and you should. We should. But there's some things in your life you just can't help. And mentally speaking, sometimes people get weak. And you should show grace and encourage people along the way, but it will be raised in power. Think about that. Isaiah told Israel this. He said, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. That day is coming. You'll feel strong. You'll feel good every day. Listen to this. You'll feel good every day. You will smile every day. You will laugh every day. No sorrows, no pain, no heartache, no worry, no nothing Think about that. For eternity, there's no sadness ever. And you will feel good every day. I asked you this before from the pulpit. How many days, out of, out of the seven days in a week, how many days do you really feel good? Really. And some of that's our own fault. Some of it's just not. Some of it's just life. Because we're living under the curse. Notice the third thing in verse 44, and then we'll go back to verse 43. It's sown a natural body, but it's raised a spiritual body. Now, what does that mean? It's sown a natural body. This body's natural, okay? 100% natural, but it's going to be raised a spiritual body. One scholar said, The natural body is the one designed for the human soul and spirit. Makes sense, doesn't it? So as to live on planet Earth, this body's designed for this Earth, for the climate that we have, for everything that happens on this Earth. God made your body to live on this planet. The spiritual body is not immaterial or ghost-like, but a body designed for heaven outside of time and space, it will be a body adapted to the eternal state. Paul says it will be raised a spiritual body. And that word means that it is a body that can accommodate the spiritual realm. It's not like Adam's, but it's like Christ. And that's what Paul talks about on in this chapter. One Christian scientist said this, All humanity has a human body, like that of the first man, Adam. We now believe through DNA testing that all of humanity goes back to one original source, and we as Christians know this to be Adam. 
The Bible is true, and real science will always confirm it as true. Paul goes on to say that those who follow the last Adam, Christ, who is the head of the spiritual race, shall receive a resurrected body like that of Christ. Paul put it this way, But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly wait, await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control will transform our lowly bodies so that we will be like His glorious body. Think about that. This body is suited for this planet. The spiritual body will be suited for the new heaven and the new earth. You'll have a body like Jesus after the resurrection and before the ascension. Okay? Jesus said in John 5 to the Jewish leaders, He says, uh, God has, let, has, has positioned me as judge of the living and the dead. And on the last day I will call out, they'll come out of their graves, those uh, who are born again, and I'm paraphrasing, to the resurrection of life in heaven, and those who are not to the re resurrection of judgment and hell. And your body will be suited for both places. It, it goes in the ground a natural body. It will be raised a spiritual body adapted for that place. What then was Christ's resurrected body like? I remember David Jeremiah saying this. What was its nature? What were its qualities? Jesus could walk through closed doors, disappear, reappear. And at will, he could ascend through the skies. And John 1 John 3, 2 says, We will be like him when we see him as he is. This is a promise, a body fit for the full life and glory of heaven. A body like Jesus that can eat but does not need to. A body that can fly through space and appear here and there and go through walls. A body that has no time limits, no age, no body. A body exalted to all that God had in mind in creation originally. And that was said by John MacArthur. Notice number four, it is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in dishonor? When I thought about that, think one pastor said this. Are there dishonorable things about the body right now? Like, oh, do any of you... Uh, have a lot of earwax, for example. He said, put a Q-tip out, take it out. It's like a candle. Look. He says, our bodies does so many dishonorable things. Uh, when I was a youth pastor, one of the things I tried to do when I went on a trip was never stay in a big room with a lot of teenage boys because you know why? They took their shoes off. And I said, what in the world is that smell? You know? And my rule was, if you're sleeping with Jamie in the same bunks, your shoes stayed outside. Why? Because their feet were dishonorable. Right? If you don't think so, now let me tell you this. We got a church van that'll hold 12 students and two adults, and I'll pay for it. If you take some junior high boys to Taco Bell, get them whatever they want, and drive around that van for two hours, I'll guarantee you that you'll understand that there's some dishonorable things that the body does. But think about this, too. Paul said that we can do a lot of dishonorable things that, that, that are dishonorable to ourselves. Listen, listen to me. To ourselves to our families, to our churches, to God. Now listen to what he said to the church at Corinth. Do you not realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not fool yourselves, he says. Okay, Those who indulge in sexual sin, who worship idols, or commit adultery, or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality, or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Then he says this, they're doing dishonorable things with their body. Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed, you were made holy, you were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. We are sown in dishonor, but we're raised in glory. God's going to raise you. Now think about this, your body. Think about the temptations that you have now. Paul tells the church, he says, 
if you'll walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. In heaven, there's going to be no desires, bad desires to have at all because your body is raised in glory. Every moment of every day, your body is going to bring honor and glory to God. It's going to be beautiful and glorified, forgiven, free from all dishonorable things that we had ever done, clean, beautiful, no sickness, no mental disabilities, no handicaps, a body raised in glory. Johnny Erickson Tata, who I've quoted several times, who was a, the lady as a teenager, dove into either a pool or the river, broke her neck, and she's been paralyzed ever since. A great Christian, a great, really just brings honor and glory to Jesus with everything she says. She says this about this. She says, I can still hardly believe that I, with shriveled, bent fingers, weakened muscles, gnarled knees, and no feeling from the shoulders down, will one day have a new body. Light, bright, clothed in righteousness, powerful and dazzling. Can you imagine the hope that they give someone like me? Or someone who, is, who has cerebral palsy, who has brain injuries, or has multiple sclerosis? Excuse me, can't speak. Imagine the hope this gives someone who is manic depressive. No other religion, no other philosophy, literally promises new bodies, new hearts, new emotions, new minds. Only in the gospel of Christ do hurting people find such Incredible promises and incredible hope. Friends, it's a good day to know Jesus, is it not? Aren't you thankful for Jesus? And then the final question, we'll close with this, is how are the dead raised up? Paul says in verse 51, notice what he says, and I'm going to help you with some books that you may buy. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Look at that. How many people have taken a tour of heaven? Absolutely, positively, no one. They sure hadn't. Flesh and blood, heaven is holy. Your flesh is sinful. Flesh and blood has not taken a tour of heaven and high-fived Jesus. It has not done it. I don't care how many books are written or how many movies are made. It's just not happened. Jesus said this in John 3, No one has ascended to heaven, but he who has descended from heaven. Paul said, I went in the Spirit, and I can't talk about it. But you're going to tell me you went to heaven and spent three or four hours, and then you wrote a book about it? I don't think so. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. Let's be smarter than that, church. Peter said this. If you're experienced, Peter, Peter was on the Mount of Transfiguration. He mentioned it. He said, listen, I have a more sure thing than that, and that's God's word. That's why Jesus told the man who was in hell, he said, will you send somebody resurrected from the dead? Will you send somebody resurrected from the dead to tell my brothers? And Jesus said, they're not going to believe a guy that rose from the dead if they don't believe the Bible. And no, I'm not. Because Jesus understood some little miracle thing like that is not going to convert anybody to Christ. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. But I tell you a mystery, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Notice the next verse. We looked at this last week. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, which is faster than that, we, we notice how that word moment comes from the word Adam, which means the smallest amount of time that we can possibly calculate that's how quick it's going to happen that's how quick it's going to happen for the trumpet will sound the dead will be raised incorruptible there's that word again and we shall all be changed for this corruptible must look at the word must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality why because flesh and blood this flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of god it cannot it will not be in heaven at all aren't you thankful for jesus i'm going to ask your musicians to come and i want to read this quote there is no hope, there is no life, there is no forgiveness, there is no healing, there is no eternity, there is no heaven 
apart from Jesus. I want to read that again. There is no hope, there is no life, there is no forgiveness, there is no healing, there is no eternity, there is no heaven apart from Jesus. If you're here today without Jesus, let me ask you this question. What is it like to live your life every day, every moment, every breath you take without hope? You have absolutely, positively no hope. And you'll stand before a just, holy God one day, and you'll give an account of your sins by yourself. Or you can place your faith and trust in Jesus and stand in the righteousness of Christ and be declared innocent for all eternity and live in the glories of heaven. You have sinned against God. You'll be rightly judged against by God and you'll be rightly condemned to hell for all eternity. Or the Bible says you can place your faith and trust in Jesus. It's just Jesus. It's all Jesus. It's only Jesus. We must just implore you to give your lives to Jesus. Tell Jesus this day, forgive me of my sin, be my God, take my life, be my Savior, and then spend the rest of your life following Jesus. Would you stand with me with every head bowed and every eye closed? This corruptible must put on incorruption. It must. And the only way to do that is to place your faith and trust in Jesus. Have you ever been born again? If you're here today and you have an illness... Give it to Jesus. Place your faith and trust in Jesus. He may heal you. He may not. But better days are coming. Amen. Are you struggling with mental issues, emotional issues? Give it to the Lord. Seek help. But go to Jesus first. This altar is open to you. Our staff is here if you need them. And if you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, that's the first step. Fathers, we come to you in prayer. This is your time and these are your people. Holy Spirit, we pray that you'd do a work that I could never do. Father, only you can give sight to the spiritually blind and raise the spiritually dead. So, Father, this is your time. And, Father, save for your honor and your glory. Encourage for your honor and your glory. Lord, give hope for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As Sharon leads us in this song, you respond as the Lord leads you this morning. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our church service will start at 5 p.m. tonight. So I hope you have a great day. Hope to see you back here at 5 p.m. God bless you and you're dismissed. Thank you very much.